We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. needs especially with week one of the nfl season beginning tonight uh plenty of action available on WinBet. Uh, obviously we will be focusing our efforts on the nba uh, when that opens up in october joining me today a special guest james anderson uh this is one of our our favorite annual pods to do uh, I, I think back in the day we used to try to fit the win total over under discussion for all 30 teams into one podcast and it ended up being like a two and a half hour pod uh, that was just a bear to listen to. Uh, but we've learned. We split it up by conference now. Uh, and we're going to dive in with win total over under picks for the Eastern Conference. Yeah, man. This is uh, my favorite My favorite thing to bet for any sport is just the over under win totals. And the NBA, I think, is, is the best uh, the best sport to do that for. Um, but it sounds like we might not disagree a ton this year, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I, the waiting uh, when, it, when it comes to any futures bet, you know, that kind of sucks. You know, you, you don't get the instant gratification of, of betting on a game that's happening and, you know, getting the result an hour or two later. Uh, but there's a lot of money to be made. Like you said, we did disagree, I felt like, on a ton of our picks going into last season. Uh, and there was so much uncertainty. You know, we're trying to calculate win percentage, you know, uh, on a 72-game season, deciding, you know, which teams are going to be hit by COVID, which aren't. Turned out pretty much everybody was. Uh, but I, I'm looking forward to hopefully more of a standard 82-game NBA season. I, I'm sure at some point we're going to have some COVID issues, uh, but I, I would imagine it's going to be a lot cleaner than last season. Yeah, I mean, I think that you will have some cases where some of the best players are getting rested, but, I mean, that's become such a annual theme anyways. Um, so... I mean, there, there are some pretty interesting situations where there are a couple stars who could get traded and uh, a couple, you know, borderline franchise players who may or may not play this year. But 
Um, I, I found a lot of these to be fairly easy to call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we'll see how they turn out, but I felt the same way, especially relative uh, to last season. Uh, James, you wrote two articles for us in the past week uh, for the site, uh, looking at both the DraftKings Sportsbook and the FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, similar numbers on each, but a little bit of differential. Uh, and you, you wrote up some of your favorite picks. So we did get a preview uh, of some of the teams that we're going to talk about today. But let's start at the top. We'll go alphabetically, uh, Atlanta through Washington. The Atlanta Hawks were on a 46.7 win pace over 82 games last year. So essentially 47 wins. Their number sits right around that, 46.5 for 21-22. Uh, where do you go on the Atlanta Hawks? Uh, I'm going to go over. And I wonder what you what would be your reaction if I said the Hawks are the deepest team in the league? You know, I feel like I read that somewhere uh, in one of the articles that I just referenced. I, I think you you did write that. I, uh, I I had a second thought as I read through it, and it's not it's not maybe as crazy as it sounds. I mean, there are a lot of the, the really good teams in the NBA, um, you know, the Lakers, the Nets, the Sixers to some degree. Like a lot of those teams are really top heavy, and that's what makes them great. There's not a lot of teams that have a superstar in Trey Young have some kind of secondary stars and guys like John Collins, Clint Capella, maybe even Bogdanovich, the way he played at the end of last season, and then a, a super deep bench at pretty much every position. So I, I don't know if I would say they're they're the absolute deepest team in the league. I'd, I'd have to look into it a little bit more, but I, I don't think it's wrong at all to say they're in that conversation. Yeah, and so that's, um, like even if you want to just say they, they're one of the three deepest teams in the league or something like that, uh, I think that that is, something that will be very valuable this season as much as any because we're ramping up to 82 games uh there may still be some some COVID related stuff we don't really know how that's going to go um I just think you know few teams are better positioned to handle an injury to one of their top seven or eight guys and you know they could even handle a couple injuries too I mean I think if they if they lost Trey Young they'd be in trouble. Uh, if they, if they lost Clint Capella, they'd be in a little bit of trouble, at least as long as Onyeko Kongu's out, but, uh, they just have so many, they, they pretty much go too deep everywhere. And, um, you know, Deandre Hunter, Kevin Herder, Cam Reddish, those guys are all theoretically improving. Um, Jalen Johnson had a really strong summer league. I don't, I don't think we're going to see much of Jalen Johnson this year, but, you know, he's, he's kind of a wild card where he, he could uh, maybe handle 15, 18 minutes off the bench or something. So I just I think they have a nice little buffer uh, in terms of dealing with um, normal injury luck or maybe even slightly uh, below average injury luck. And um, obviously, if they if they're without Trey Young for 30 games or something, they're going to go under. But that's true of pretty much any team with their best player. So uh, I think the Hawks are. Um, yeah, I think they actually might be my pick to win the third most games in the Eastern Conference this year. I, I don't I don't think they're a legitimate title contender, but I think that they are really set up to have a lot of regular season success. And then you also throw in the fact that they were on a basically a 47 win pace last year. And that that includes uh, having a, a coaching uh, shuffle early in the season and they were just much better after the coaching change so um i think they're better this year than they were last year and all they have to be is as good as they were last year to go over 
this team was also 14 and 20 at one point last season. You know, I mean, it was it was night and day after they made that coaching change. And, you know, it was a completely different team. Essentially, after the All-Star break, they go on a six game winning streak uh, and kind of never look back and, and carried that momentum into the playoffs. So, no, I'm with you on this. I also go over you, you named all these players when you were talking about their depth. Somehow didn't even mention they have Gorgie Jang. I mean, I, I think they could lose Clint Capella and be just fine. Yeah, they, they definitely upgraded backup center um, <laughs> relative over. I mean, last year, I, and, I, and the, it's a really a bummer that Onyeka Kong was hurt because I thought right. he looked really impressive he looked in the playoffs really good last year. In the playoffs, yeah. um, so, I mean, if he was healthy, man, I mean, they'd, I think they would be a, a good bet to go over 50 wins. My lone counterpoint when it comes to the Nets or the Nets, the Hawks, is it possible that they have too many guys? I feel like the situation kind of worked itself out last year because DeAndre Hunter missed so much time. Bogdanovich missed a ton of time early on. So, you know, the Reddishes or Cam Reddish, I guess, missed almost the entire season as well. You know, the, the Kevin Herters of the world, Gallinari, like those guys ended up playing bigger roles than maybe they would have if everyone's healthy. Like, is there a case to be made that if, if everyone takes, you know, kind of takes a step back in terms of their role, it could end up hurting them? You know, there there could be a little unrest there. Uh, but at the, you know, I think like Trey Young is going to get all that he can handle and, or all that he wants, basically, from a minute standpoint. Um, you know, Capella is taken care of contract wise. Uh, I mean, a lot of these guys recently signed extensions. Um, the one area where it could be kind of a log jam is with Bogdanovich, Lou Williams and Kevin Herter. Like, you know, that they, they probably have one too many guys there. Uh for the, the off guard or kind of backup point guard spot. And that's not even mentioning Daylon Wright, who will be in the rotation. So uh, they might be a little crowded um, at the second guard spot. But I mean, this, you know, I think McMillan kind of showed that he uh, has a good, um, you know, good relationship with this roster. And I just, you know, I don't, I don't know who would be the guy that would really make waves here. I, it's not, you know, they don't really have like a Rajon Rondo type anymore. I mean, I think I think most of these guys either haven't proven enough to demand a bigger role or are just going to be fairly satisfied with whatever role they're given. I think if I had to pick out that guy for me, it's Cam Reddish. And I, I'm not saying he's like going to destroy the locker room. I, I just think for a guy that was the 10th overall pick a couple of years ago, you know, he gets set back, only plays in 26 games last year, looked really good at times in that series against Milwaukee. I just don't really see what the path to the kind of role that that a player who you take 10th overall and who has looked mostly OK and you're trying to develop. Like, I, I just don't know what that path is. Like, is he is there going to be nights where he's just not even in the rotation? Um, maybe I I kind of think he's going to get around 22 minutes a game this year. Um, you know, he he obviously wants more minutes so that he can make a case for why he should get a, a nice extension. But um, right. winning, you know, winning can cure all, I think, to, to a large degree. So, I mean, if they're if they're winning games, you know, the, these guys should all look pretty well, pretty good when they're out there. So, I mean, it, it's I, don't, I just I think most of these guys, their um, their value, uh, or at least perceived value should still be fairly high, even if they're only playing in the low to mid 20 minutes per game and I think you you know it's it's gonna be tough for Nate Millen Nate McMillan I guess a little bit just because he's got to manage all this but um like I think with the the veterans the, the Gallinari's the Capella's um 
you know, I think those guys will be okay. Just kind of having some, some lighter minute nights. And, um, but I mean, I, I think if, if your, your biggest weakness is just maybe you have a few or maybe too much depth, um, right. I feel like that, that typically sorts itself out. The Brooklyn Nets on pace for 55 wins over an 82 game season last year. Uh, their line sits at 56 and a half. That is the highest of any team in the Eastern Conference. No surprise here. Uh, we know the caveats with Brooklyn. I, I think if you could guarantee that every player in the league played all 82 games, this line is bumped up maybe 10 wins higher. Uh, but Kevin Durant missed a ton of time last year. James Harden missed a ton of time. Kyrie Irving always misses a ton of time. Uh, so I think that's going to be the number one thing that you have to consider when looking at this line. Uh, where did you come in on Brooklyn 56 and a half wins? So I wouldn't bet this one. I can see a good case for going over, a good case for going under. I, if if push came to shove, I would say under. Uh, but again, I, I don't feel strongly about that. Um, really, I just I, I think this team, probably more so than any team in the entire league, has very little incentive to push on the gas during the regular season. And, you know, I, I agree. Like what you said, like you, if you just told me like Harden, Irving and Durant play, uh, they all play 70 plus games, then of course I, I think it's going to go over, but um, there's not, you know, if, if any of these guys deal with some sort of injury, uh, they have every incentive to be very slow bringing them back. And they, they kind of showed that a little bit last year. Um, I just don't, I don't think they're going to be pushing for home court. Uh, Durant maybe pushes for MVP and maybe that's important to him and that he kind of plays through some nagging stuff to try to get the, the MVP. But, um, you know, that's, this is still a lot of wins, um, to, to bet on the, the over, even though we all agree, this is the, the championship favorite and, and I would actually probably take them, uh, over the field to win the title. I mean, I think it's a better bet to just bet on the nets to win the win the finals than to take this over yeah i, I don't think you're wrong about that I'd, i i'm with you I, I think if it's i would certainly bet lakers or nets versus the field and i, I think i would still probably take nets versus the field as well I, I guess i look at this as can they really have as bad of a, a season injury wise as they had last year i mean that was pretty much worst case scenario and you know you, you have durant just a couple years removed from the Achilles. So maybe this, maybe this is just kind of who he is in the back half of his prime is, is someone that you have to, you just have to pencil in for, you know, 10 to 15 absences. But I, I feel like Harden bounces back. I, I don't know if this was a, a situation where he was just never in great shape last year. And then, you know, it came back to bite him with the hamstring uh, come March and April, um, you know, with Kyrie, it, it was kind of par for the course. You have to expect probably 15 absences, uh, but Harden specifically, I, I think his track record is pretty unassailable as far as his durability. And I, I think he's the one that bounces back most. I mean, there, once James Harden got rolling in Brooklyn, like there was a 22 game span where the Nets went 20 and two when James Harden was healthy. And, you know, a lot of the games that they lost were James Harden out and Kyrie Irving out, Kevin Durant out and Kyrie Irving out. Like they, they very rarely got beat when all three of those guys were healthy. And, and I know the retort to that is how often are all three going to be healthy this year? Who knows? But for things to go as badly as they did last year from an injury perspective, and they still were on pace for 55. I, I feel like even if they're coasting, even if they're taking it easy, you know, if their injury luck is even like 20% better, they probably cruise to 58, 59 wins. 
Yeah, no, I mean, like, like I said, I, I think that those are all valid points. Um, I, I could go either way. I mean, if you ask me mm. tomorrow, I would, I might say over. I just, I, I think it's, there's a little too much risk for my liking to, to bet on a team to win 57 games when um, the roster is kind of put together the way it is. I mean, they're like, how hard is this team going to try defensively during the regular season? Not very. So, I mean, I do think they have like they they have the potential to get beat by many inferior teams just on random nights just because their defense isn't going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they know like this is a team that just wants to win the finals, right? Like, I, I don't think um, yeah the the effort's just not going to be there um, as as often as it is for some other teams, some some of the other best teams in the league. So. I mean, I, I could go either way on it, though. So, But I, I don't recommend betting this at, a, what is it, minus, um, minus 115, or no, minus 105. So actually, it's not that bad to go over, um, but I, st- I still wouldn't bet it. Yeah, it, there's nothing more dangerous than a really good team that knows it's really good and realizes that the regular season means absolutely nothing at this point. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't feel strongly about it. I, I would go over. Just I think the talent's going to win out. And I, I think they, they're the rare, like, true super team that has a decent amount of depth around its big three. I mean, you, you still have Joe Harris. Um, you know, you bring back Bruce Brown. Um, you know, Paul Millsap, Lamarcus Aldridge is back. Blake Griffin. Like, none of these names are blowing you away. Uh, they added Patty Mills, but you know, compared to a lot of the super teams that we've seen that really have to like scrap together. You know, Norris Cole, more Mario Chalmers, got type of guys are playing 25 minutes a night. Like, the role players on this team are, are well above average uh, relative to other super teams. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, granted, I, I think of all those guys you listed, like, who are the good defenders? Like, Paul Not Mesa. a ton. So, um, I mean, they, they are going to be the best offense in the league, for sure. So, yeah. I'm not saying they need a good defense, but, um, yeah, I, I don't really know what to do with this one. I think I said it at a good, really good spot. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions. And even more so, making the right decision. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six U.S. states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding nationwide. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. All you have to do is download the WinBet app right now. That's WinBet, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. The Boston Celtics, last year on pace for 41 wins over an 82-game season. This line now sits at 45 and a half. Uh, this is one that I really liked. I, I, I'm assuming you feel the same way. We're both going over on Boston 45 and a half wins. Yeah, I just I really love the way they reshaped this roster, um, and I I think you know you could you could maybe um, 
pick apart the quote unquote process of how they found their next general manager, because obviously they, there wasn't really a process there. Uh, but I, I do think, you know, as good of a coach as Brad, C- Brad Stevens is, like we all know he's a good coach. I think he kind of lost the locker room to a certain degree, like not, not because he's like a bad guy or a bad coach. I just think, you know, that his message maybe had started kind of wearing a little thin and maybe he wasn't connecting as well. The guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum um, as, as he, as he used to. And so I actually don't expect this to be a, a coaching downgrade and, and Ime Udoka has a very strong reputation. I think he's a solid coach of the year bet at, at 15 to one um, getting Dennis Schroeder for like, I, I'm not a Dennis Schroeder guy at all, but I mean, that, that contract is still well below market value. So um, I think that that was a good acquisition. Uh, like we kind of know what Josh Richardson is, but they're not really asking him to be much more than like a seventh man. So I think that's fine. I think their, their center play is going to be excellent. I think bringing Horford back makes a ton of sense. I think that'll help them on both ends. Robert Williams might take a step forward. And I mean, I think they've got two all-stars in Brown and Tatum. So um, I just think the pieces fit really well. I think it'll be nice to get a, a new a uh, good coach in there with, with a new message. And yeah, I, I like the over. Yeah, you said it. I, I don't have a whole lot to add. I, I'm not in love with the moves that they made this off season. You know, it's hard to get like super jacked up about whatever 35, 36 year old Al Horford, um, you know, Josh Richardson, whose stock has kind of fallen off a cliff over these last couple of years. But you look at the players who they're stepping in for in this rotation. I mean, like, I, I don't love Josh Richardson, but I also don't want those minutes going to, you know, semi Ojale and, uh, you know, Javante Green and, and Evan Fournier, who really didn't give them much at the Tristan end of last Thompson. year. Tristan like, Thompson. Right. I mean, yeah. Grant, Grant Williams, I, I've never been a I huge mean, fan of. It, like last year, for most games, it was basically Tatum, Brown and Marcus Smart. And those three were going to have to carry a bunch of guys who really shouldn't have been in rotations. Whereas, so like... You know, I, I don't love Schroeder. I, I, obviously, Horford's old, but they at least can go like seven deep now with legitimate, like quality NBA players. Right. And I, I would rather have Schroeder than Kemba Walker at this point. Like for one single game, Kemba Walker is still better than Dennis Schroeder. But I, I think it got to the point with Kemba where it's like, we don't even know. We have no idea when this guy's going to play game to game, week to week, month to month even. You know, I, I would rather have 75 games of Dennis Schroeder than like 44 games of Kemba Walker. Yeah, and you've got a really motivated Dennis Schroeder, right? Like he, hopefully, if yeah. he's ever if he's ever going to be on his best behavior, this is the year. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think part of this too is the Celtics just woefully underachieved last year, right? I mean, part of it was was guys missing games. Uh, I mean, Tatum missed eight games, Brown missed fourteen games, Marcus Smart missed twenty four games. Obviously, Kemba missed like half the season. Um, even even Evan Fournier had COVID when he got there, only played in sixteen games for the Celtics. So I, I think there's going to be some built-in progression no matter what. Uh, and I don't know that this line really reflects that. Like, even if they ran it back with last year's team, I think I would still go over on 45 and a half. Yeah, no, I, I think, and that's that's why I like uh, Udoka for coach of the year, is they, anytime you can get a team that underachieved the year before, but then also got better during the off season, like, you know, they could win 10 more games or at least on an 82 game pace, they could win 10 more games than they did last year. Okay. The Charlotte Hornets, 
on pace for 38 wins last season. They finished 33 and 39. The number sits at 38 and a half. And we're both going under. I will say I considered an on-the-fly switch to the over just to get some dissension. But I think we're going to have a good back and forth about this no matter what. I, Given that LaMelo Ball is on this roster, I am shocked that you're going under on 38 and a half. Yeah, I mean, this is probably my toughest one to call. Um, it, you know, I obviously I, I think this is probably one of the more fun teams to watch in the league, if not the the most fun. Um, but I mean, this is the Eastern Conference is really good. Uh, there's, you know, probably twelve teams that could maybe get into the play-in game at least, and a lot of those teams have. Um, hopes of finishing in the mid 40s and wins and so uh, you know that they aren't going to have many nights where they're a a clear favorite and it's a very young team like the guys who are old aren't either aren't that good like Mason Plumlee or Gordon Hayward is just very unreliable from a availability standpoint so um, I it just it seems a tad tad high for a team this young um but it it's really tough i mean i i could see this team winning in the low you know low 40s like 42 43 wins i could i could totally see that um and i you know i'd like to be wrong about this one but i don't really want to i don't want to let my lamello um adoration kind of color this this pick too much so I, I don't. I wouldn't bet this. This is like the the Nets one. I, I I would stay away here at this number. But if I had to pick, I'd, I'd go slight under. This is a perfect number. I I don't feel. I wouldn't feel great about going either way. I I think it's super. It's very conceivable that they could win 39, 40, 41, even like forty two games, and be the seven or the eight in the Eastern Conference. You know, essentially do what the Wizards did last year. I think they were on a thirty nine game pace. Like that. That seems replicable. For this team but you made a good point i mean those the teams that i see as the top seven right now philly brooklyn milwaukee new york atlanta miami boston those were the top seven last year none of those teams are going to be significantly worse they're all going to be pushing for mid 40s to, to mid 50s maybe even low 60s for some of those teams at the top and then you have chicago you have indiana you have toronto that's going to be a lot better like there, there are no free wins in the eastern conference unless you're playing orlando detroit or cleveland and and charlotte maybe isn't quite to that level where those are like guaranteed stone cold box every single time. So I, I think you're on the right track here. Um, like I said, I'm just surprised, you know, being, being kind of at the forefront of the LaMelo ball hype. <laughs> I thought this would be a lock. They also have Kelly Oubre. May I remind you, and this yeah. team is, is super loaded in terms yeah. of wing depth. I, my, my big concern is, you know, they were, they were a bad rebounding team. They were a horrible rim protecting team. They were last in opponents, two point field goal percentage last season. I don't know that Mason Plumlee solves that. Like, I like P.J. Washington, but not really for, like, rim protection, like, stalwart defensive reasons. Like, I, I don't think Mason Plumlee is that big of an upgrade over Cody Zeller. I mean, Miles Bridges might be the best defender on this team, which, or at least in the rotation. So that's kind of scary. Yeah. Um, and it And for fantasy, this really – it's kind of a shame because I like so many guys on this. Like obviously LaMelo is going to get his, uh, but I, I mean, I think Bridges, Washington, Ubre, like they all might cannibalize each other a little bit. 
um, to the point where you, you don't get quite as much as you thought you're going to get for fantasy. Let me read you uh, Miles Bridges' stats for the last 20 games last season. I, I was writing something on him the other day. I did not realize he was this good. And this was with Gordon Hayward out. Um, he was in a bigger role. He started 19 of these games. But his averages were 36 minutes per game, 20.4 points, 6.9 rebounds, 2.9 assists, 0.8 steals, 0.9 blocks, three made three-pointers per game at 43.5%. Yeah, I mean, I I, I just submitted my um, rankings for our, our roundtable rankings, and uh, I've got him as a top 80 player. I mean, I think he's... Uh, his connection with Lamelo specifically is, I mean, they they might be the most fun uh, alley oop duo in the league right now. Um, and he's gotten so much better defensively. He's really kind of coming into his own, uh, which is great. But it's just you look at the depth chart too. Right. Uh, if someone gets hurt, then maybe they're just better positioned to deal with the inevitable twenty game Gordon Hayward injury. Um, and that that just kind of helps helps there, but um, yeah, Bridges is very sneakily one of the better young wings in the league. The Chicago Bulls on pace for 35 wins last season. That number bumps all the way up to 42.5, uh, actually down a win or two from where it opened. Uh, obviously, we know uh, what the situation is here in Chicago. DeMar DeRozan uh, joins Nick Vucevic and Zach Levine. Lonzo Ball joins up in another sign and trade. This is a completely revamped team. I mean, of like of the primary teams in the Eastern Conference, like we didn't see a, a ton of changes. You know, the, the Knicks, the Hawks, the Bucks, the Nets. As of now, the Sixers, like they're basically all running back the same rosters. And, and Philly, obviously, that'll change at some point. Um, but the Bulls are the, are the team that made probably the splashiest moves, other than maybe Miami adding Kyle Lowry. With that said, all the fanfare I feel like pretty quickly faded. And once people like really started to dig in and, and analyze how these guys fit together, I, I feel like I read more pessimistic Bulls takes than optimistic. Yeah, it's kind of, um, you know, it's a little surprising to me just how um, widely accepted it is that they aren't going to be as good as the front office. Uh, obviously hope they're going to be with these moves. Like I, I don't know if people are like just getting smarter or if there's just a really yeah. strong group think going on. Um, no, you're, t- you're but, totally right. I felt, th- I felt the same way. Like this feels like a classic bait and switch where everybody would be all in. Like I- I'm thinking back to like some of those Nets teams that people loved in like the mid two thousands or uh, mid 2010s. Like this seems like it's aligning for NBA Twitter to be like, this is a 50 win team. And then they win 41 games, but no, I- I'm surprised how rational everybody's been. I mean, I mean, I'm sure you could find some pretty irrational takes like on like daytime sports talk TV and stuff like that. But, um, you know, that you're not even hearing like any uh, any semi-respected NBA person saying, oh, like this is going to be like a fifth, the fifth seed in the East or something. So um, I think most people are just kind of under the assumption the defense is going to be terrible. The offense is going to be. Uh, it should be like a top 10 offense and a bottom five defense is basically how I'm projecting things to go. And I think there's uh, like for fantasy, I love, I love Lonzo balls, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic this year, because I think their roles are so clearly defined. There aren't, there's no competition for touches um, from the guys behind them. 
And I think the offense is just going to be really, really strong. Like they're, they're going to have to score a ton of points because of how bad the defense is going to be. Um, but like we just, we listed off all these, these teams in the East when we're talking about the Hornets, I don't think the bulls are clearly better than the Hornets. So I think like, um, if we're kind of drawing lines in the sand of like the top 10 teams in the East, um, I think I'd have the Bulls and the Hornets as the the 11th and 12th best teams um, and missing out on the playing game. I think that that's kind of how I, I see it going. So I think this this line is still a little bit too high, even though most people have been pretty rational with how they talk about this team. Yeah, I mean, I, I do feel like this team is that there are years in the past where this team would would be better than like the 10th or 11th best team. In the East, and I think part of it speaks to how much talent there is in the NBA and in the East, and how much continuity there is. Where like sometimes you just slop like three stars and and one half star in in Lonzo together, and people would say, well, that's enough. There's enough talent that it'll carry you to like the five or the six seed. But yeah, when you really stack it up, and even if you like on paper what the Bulls did, when you measure that roster up against a team like Atlanta or Miami or Boston, you know it's it's really tough to say like yes, this team is definitively better. Uh, especially when you factor in the style of play, when you factor in, you know, relatively iffy coaching uh, with Billy Donovan. Um, I mean, do you do you trust a team like Toronto just with the infrastructure to be significantly better than Chicago? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I think they, I, that's not even that. And we'll we'll get to them. Um, yeah, right. But yeah, I mean, I I don't think that's that close to me. Well, one of the other issues with Chicago, I mean, this is a very top heavy roster and unlike a lot of the other top heavy rosters, like people aren't all that enthralled with, with how that top part of the roster fits. And once you get beyond, you know, Vucevic, Levine, DeRozan, Lazo Ball, I mean, you're starting a, a second year, very young forward in, in Patrick Williams at the four. There's almost no depth in the front court. I mean, you brought in Derek Jones Jr. from Portland as part of that Larry Nance, Laurie Markkinen deal. Um, he's okay. I mean, he's a guy that ideally isn't playing more than like 15 minutes for you. Other than that, I mean, it's Troy Brown, it's you know, Stanley Johnson. They just signed off the street the other day. They, they signed Alizé Johnson. Your backup center as of now is Tony Bradley, who's bounced around and, and really has kind of gone on and off as looking like an NBA player. And in the backcourt, it's kind of the same story. Like Kobe White is, is a really nice, like, sixth, seventh guy. Alex Caruso, fine signing in the backcourt. But, I mean, if any of those big four guys go down, like this team has, like, very little reliable depth. Yeah, I think the the front court depth is the big uh, well, and how the how the front court pieces fit is the big concern to me. Like, I think if you if you just had like Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine fit very well to me, uh, and then like if you have Alex Caruso as the third guard behind those guys, like I think they're and Kobe White as the fourth guard. I think those strengths and weaknesses of those four really mesh pretty well. But the big problem is you're you're asking Patrick Williams, who's like 19, to be your best front court defender, basically. Um, like we know, Demar Derozan is going to be one of the worst defensive uh, wings in the league. We know Vucevic is going to be like a bottom 10 defensive center. And so if this and like front court defense is how you build a good defense in the regular season. Like it's great to have. A good defense at the guard positions, but that's not really what lifts the defense to being a good unit on the whole. It's it's the guys that are protecting the rim. And if you're asking Patrick Williams to be checking um, the best the best forward on the other team every night, 
I just I don't think it's going to go that well. I mean, I think he he could be that player in a couple of years, but that's that's kind of where the the whole thing kind of falls apart to me is in the, in the front court. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, the Cleveland Cavaliers, 25 win pace last season. Their number jumps up to 26.5. You wrote up the Cavaliers for your DraftKings Sportsbook analysis piece. I I read that this morning. Like I said, uh, thank you for reminding me that Ricky Rubio is on this roster. I've I've continued to forget that. I I always just assumed that he would be rerouted or bought out or something, but it, it appears that Ricky Rubio will be playing basketball for the Cavaliers. Yeah, man, I... This is one where um, they set the line pretty low, uh, 26 and a half, but I don't think they set it low enough. And I think and one of my kind of overarching themes when we're picking these over-unders this year is there's, there's only like five teams in the whole league who are clearly rebuilding and like clearly care about their, their lottery odds and are realistic about the fact that the the play-in game is not in the cards. And I think all five of those teams are going to hit the under because you ha- if you have 25 teams that are trying, at least for the first like two-thirds of the season, and five that are basically playing young guys um, or guys on bad contracts, I just think the those five, um, they're going to go under, or at least maybe like three or four of them are going to go under. And like if you look at this Cavs roster, like who who's their best player? 
and who's their second best player and who's their third best player. Like, it's just like, I, I would say Jared Allen is probably their best player. And I would say Darius Garland might be their second best player. Like how, how is a team with Jared Allen and Darius Garland as their top two players going to win more than 24, 25 games? I think if you ask like a hundred people, you would get four different answers. I, I think some people would still cling to Kevin Love. He has the accomplishments. He's their best player. Some people would agree with you and say Jared Allen. Some people would say Colin Sexton and other people would say Darius Garland. That's not necessarily a good thing. It's, it's not like these are four, you know, like all, all NBA caliber players who you're, you're trying to draw straws between. I, I will push back a little bit on, you know, you, you mentioning the Cavs as a rebuilding team. They are a rebuilding team, but I don't, I don't think they view themselves as a rebuilding team. Now it, it might not matter, you know, like, like teams like OKC, Houston, Detroit, Orlando, like they are totally fine. You know, if they, if they go 18 and 64, that's great. You know, that puts them in position to, to get the number one or the number two pick. Like the Cavs are, are very much in that zone, but I don't think they believe they're in that zone. Now, whether that results in them actually winning more games than they should, who knows? But I, I feel like they think like, hey, we have we have our core in place. We have a guy at each position who we've either drafted or signed that we feel good about. Like we have Evan Mobley, like let's go, let's start winning games. I don't think they're going to be able to do that, but I think they're going to try to win more games than those other teams. Right. I mean, I think the the key part is like when we're 20 games into the season, they're going to know that they're a rebuilding team, right? And, um, you know, it, like Evan Mobley is going to be a negative player as a rookie. Like I'm, I'm very confident in that, especially sort of given how he looked in the summer league. And like the Kevin Love-Laurie marketing, marketing pairing is really strange. And, you know, Isaac Okoro, it, like, is probably one of their two best defensive players, but he's a, a huge negative. He's probably a bigger negative on offense than he is a positive on defense. And Garland and Sexton are terrible on defense. I mean, this is going to be a really bad defense. And I, I mean, I think you could argue that like Jared Allen is going to, at the end of the day is Jared Allen might be the only guy on this team. Who's a net positive. It just feels like it's going to be like every other non LeBron cap season, right? Where they, They've been like weirdly reluctant to rebuild. I don't know if this is a Dan Gilbert mandate from the top down where it's like, we, we must not admit defeat. Like we will be a good team. And they just, they just never are. Like there, there's no path to the Cavaliers competing with even those like lower tier teams that we were talking about, like Charlotte, Chicago, Toronto, Indiana, uh, like maybe Washington is like their closest comparison. Cause I, I do think the Cavs are better than Orlando and Detroit, but if they think they're, they're going to be a team that can compete for like 40 wins and try to get the eight seed, which I, I feel like that's what's going to happen internally. It, that's just so wrong. Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about this um, maybe on a different pod, but like the very clear path for this team to me was to build around um, Evan Mobley, Darius Garland, and Isaac Okoro and you know maybe Colin Sexton if you just can't get anything for him on the trade market but then they they just zigged like they zigged away from that obvious plan of of kind of really doing the long game there getting another top three top four pick and they bring in guys like Rubio and they they keep Kevin Love um they they signed Jared Allen to a huge contract I mean I think they should probably you know, maybe Kevin Love actually helps them lose games at this point. So, like, you know, I, I don't know if it's worth just telling him to stay home or not. But um, 
they're they should be like a 20 win team and because of the moves they made they're going to be a 24 25 win team yeah i mean we've talked about teams like charlotte and, and atlanta that maybe have some log jams at certain positions and make it difficult for fantasy i sadly the Cavs are in that conversation right now like as long as kevin love is on this team i, I like evan mobley has to start right but if Kevin Love is healthy, he also has to start. And you would imagine that Jared Allen, after signing a $100 million contract, also has to start. So, like, who, who becomes the odd man out there? Um, you know, I, I think it's between Love and Mobley at the four. And, you know, I'm just not sure. Like, I could even see them not playing Kevin Love really much at all. Um, but I also, you know, I think Evan Mobley might just be a little overmatched early on, too. And uh, so I, I might try to go with Love and Allen, even though Mobley, like you said, I mean, he's the third overall pick. A lot of people thought he was like a, a real franchise caliber player. Um, but I think the best thing for his development would honestly be to to be a backup, at least early in the season. I mean, like LaMelo Ball didn't start last year. Not that. Kevin Love's as good as Devontae Graham, but, um, you know, I, I think it'd be worse to start Mobley at the four and have him lose confidence and look really shaky and then have to move him to the bench than the other way around. The Detroit Pistons on a 23-win pace last season. They finished 20-52, and second-worst record in the NBA behind only the 17-55 and Rockets. Uh, the number sits at 25 and a half at the DraftKings Sportsbook. This was a pretty easy under for me. Uh, I have a, a hunch that you feel the same way. Yeah. Um, as I wrote about in the, the article I did, I mean, I think Killian Hayes' existence here is kind of a cheat code for the under because... Uh, what a great term, by the way. A, a, a cheat code for losing games. He's... He was drafted by this current regime, and he was drafted in the lottery a year ago. Uh, so I just don't know how you can not play him. Um, and as long as you – I mean, he's the worst starting point guard in the league uh, if you play him. And I think there's also going to be a little bit of a hierarchy issue where Jeremy Grant thinks that he should still be the guy – um, Sadiq Bey had a great rookie season. He's going to expect to be heavily involved. And I mean, you have Josh Jackson on the roster, but like we all know, Kate Cunningham is already probably the best player on this roster. But I don't think, I think it's going to be hard for them to, to really go that way in such a, a clear way that they should early on. Um, I do love Isaiah Stewart. And I think the, the Kelly Olenek signing makes sense um, to kind of give guys like Cunningham a little bit more room to work with when they have the ball. But, uh, I mean, this is just – it's not a very good roster yet. I mean, they're, they're still a couple years away from being, like, a really exciting young core. Uh, and the Killian Hayes aspect to me is just going to really uh, help sink the ship. We need to see if we can get cheat code added to his basketball reference page. <laughs> More obscure nicknames have been added. And it should be noted, you wrote up the Pistons and you, you did call him a cheat code in your article. At the time you submitted this, 
that number was 24 and a half wins. You were still going under. Now somehow it's up to 25 and a half. Sharp money's coming in on Detroit. <laughs> Sharp money's coming in on the over, huh? Yeah, it must be. Um, wow. I don't, I don't I have mean, a lot to say here. I mean, it, I, I think I, that this is just a classic, you know, people are excited about Kate Cunningham, big name at the college level, you know, number one pick, wire to wire. I, there's going to be a lot of juice with him coming in. I, I think he's going to be fine. I don't think that he's going to hit the ground running and be like a 26 and six guy as a rookie. I think he can certainly get there, but I, I think he needs to, he needs to add some weight, add some strength. Um, I, I, you know, athleticism wise, he's not elite by any means. And, and you and I have gone back and forth on this a number of times, but for as great of a playmaker as he is, and kind of a do it all guy. Like I, I think we agree that he's not quite at that, like ultra elite level in terms of vision. And, you know, that's not really something you can learn. So I, I don't think he's going to come in and, like, transform this team and, and like, you know, start to buoy guys like Josh Jackson and Sadiq Bey, who are, like, fine to lower level role players. But I, I don't think, like, Kate Cunningham is going to come in and be this, like, Luka Doncic-esque figure right away. No, he's not as good a passer as LaMelo or Doncic. And, you know, he, he's pretty turnover prone. Um, this, you know, this team's really pretty unathletic too uh at least among the uh main rotation guys like jeremy grant's probably the only guy that would be considered even an average nba athlete for his position so um yeah i mean i, I think the the reason the money's coming in on the over is just because it's kate cunningham number one pick you know probably a lot of pistons fans out there um throwing bets on the over but uh yeah i mean i think it's a it's a nice opportunity to to get even more value on this. The Indiana Pacers, 39 win pace last season. The number sits at 42 and a half at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, you and I are both going over here, and I, I think I would make this one of my best bets. Yeah, I agree. Uh, now, the, the the thing that worries me a little bit is just the TJ Warren injury updates have not been kind of as promising as I thought they'd be at this stage. Like I, I sort of thought that he would be pretty clearly like ready to go at this point. And uh, it doesn't sound like that's the case. And he's, he's a pretty important piece for them. I mean, he's really their only two way wing. Um, so that's, that's something I'm monitoring, but I mean, we still have a decent amount of time before the start of the season. Uh, but really it's just the, the upgrade at coach with getting um i mean i think you're going to get kind of a rejuvenated rick carlisle i think the last few years in dallas kind of wore on him uh i think he's going to get along better with these i mean that, they probably don't even have a single star but like these the starters on the pacers i think he's going to get along better uh with them than he did with luka Doncic towards the end and um yeah, I mean, I, I just think they have a really solid, strong rotation of eight guys. And uh, I think if you, you kind of should just throw out last season when when kind of pro projecting them and go back to the last time they had a competent coach. And uh, so I, I think they could win in the mid-40s. Yeah, I, I would be pretty confident that they will win in the mid-40s. I, I think this is a team that, you know, not only are you going from – you're upgrading, I guess, in terms of coaches, and you're upgrading to a Hall of Fame championship coach. But I don't think it can be overstated, like how much this team had clearly tuned out its previous coach, right? I mean, 
I think Bjorkren had lost this locker room probably before the All-Star break. And, you know, it got to the point where they had completely given up, I felt like. And, and you know, and some guys, you know, who, who were hurt and, you know, maybe they could have come back, you know, and, and just kind of saw where the season was going and, and didn't. But when you're not only do you have like there's a lot of like bad coaches or incompetent coaches who probably get along with the players and, and ultimately they end up hurting the team. But it's not like a toxic situation. I mean, this was a straight up toxic situation. And I, I think even even bringing in like a league average coach would have been a huge boost for Indiana. And then to bring in Rick Carlisle, I mean, it, it's such a home run. Uh, the one thing I think that could derail them, and you did hit on this with TJ Warren, is just the injury situation. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon, say what you want if you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan about letting Brogdon go. But the one thing the Bucks were right about is the health issues, which have really not slowed down at all since he left Milwaukee. You know, he missed a ton of time again last season. Um, you know, Karis LeVert, having him for a full year, that should be big. Uh, obviously, we know what happened with him last year, but Miles Turner missed almost half the season. TJ Warren played four games. Um, you know, DeMontis Sabonis got hurt during the second half. So, you know, if that happens again, maybe it gets a little dicey. But I, I tend to usually look at situations like this where, where so many players are missing so much time. More often than not, you're going to bounce back and it's going to go the other way the next season rather than repeating itself. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Um... Yeah, I mean, they, they probably can't have as bad of injury luck as they did last year. Uh, although, you know, I mean, if if we get news closer to the start of the season that T.J. Warren's going to miss, you know, a month or six weeks or something, that, that would scare me a little bit here. All right, the Miami Heat, 46 win pace last season. They finish at 40 and 32. Of course, get swept out of the first round by the Milwaukee Bucks. The number sits at 48 and a half at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Not a ton of turnover here. I mean, you're essentially swapping out Kendrick Dunn and uh, Goran Dragic for Kyle Lowry. Uh, a few other, you know, minor additions uh, in the front court and, and on the wing. But, you know, the main core of, of Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo, all those guys are back. Um, I'm going to go under on 48 and a half. Uh, I see you're going under as well, but you have this marked as a stay away. Yeah, you know, I think um, this might be the shallowest team of the likely Eastern Conference playoff teams, and they're also one of the oldest teams. And so when you combine their lack of depth with their age, it's just I think they're going to need a lot of uh, good injury luck to hit this over. I mean, that's not to say, like, if, if they go into the playoffs at, full strength they're close to full strength i mean they're going to be a, a tough out for sure but you know it like kyle lowry's probably going to miss double digit games uh jimmy butler's you know he could miss double digit games um pj tucker like that's that's strictly a playoff signing like pj tucker does not help you win regular season games especially if he's one of your like six best players um so, you know, maybe if Tyler Hero really bounces back this year, I mean, I think th this is just a massive year, obviously, for, for Tyler Hero, because, I mean, if he if last year is the player that he is and there's not another level there, then they really screwed up by not trading him. But I do think it's it's possible that he puts the work in and, and comes back a much better player this year. But I mean, they, they really just don't have much margin for error at this at this line, just given their lack of depth. 
Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, for me, it does come down to Lowry. If this is the year that he finally hits that wall, and whether that means he misses like 30 plus games or he's just not the same guy, then they're in big trouble. They're in big trouble this year and they're in big trouble next year uh, because they kind of went all in on him and they, they sacrificed some of their guard depth uh, to allow that to happen. Do you have any feelings at all about Victor Oladipo? Like, is, is this factored in? Are, are you expecting anything out of him? Uh, no. Um, I mean, I, I I see we have a note on the site saying he could be back by November. I don't really buy that uh, much. And the last time we saw him, he was a losing player. Like, so, I mean, I don't. I don't think it really matters either way, but um, maybe just given their extreme lack of depth, even the last version of Victor Oladipo that we saw would help them because they've got like, they've got Gabe Vincent and Max Struess and Marcus Garrett. What about him? Like those are the guys they have Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero. And the, those are the guys behind those guys at, at yep. guard. So that they go three deep at guard right now, essentially. And they go, I mean, do they go five deep in the front court? And that's, and two of those five are Markeith Morris and Dwayne Deadman. Like, you know, it's, it's pretty it's shaky. It's not good. No, I mean, their, their wing depth is not great either. I mean, beyond Jimmy Butler, it's, you know, Casey Akpala, who's extremely unproven. And then a lot of redundancy. It's like, all right, I guess you could shift PJ Tucker over, or you could shift Markeith Morris over, but you're not getting excited about that. And if you're if you're moving those guys to small forward, then that means I don't know. I mean, that means maybe Bam is at the four and, and Deadman's at the five. Like, yeah, they're the more you dig in, like there really is a, a big lack of depth, which over the last couple of years, I think had been a strength for Miami. And I and there just seemed to be this sort of, you know, be, because uh such so little um changed hands really in terms of free agency you know and everything this year um there just seemed to be this rush to sort of crown the heat as the third best team in the east but i just i think that that was all a little bit premature like i could maybe buy an argument that if if everyone's at full strength they're the third best playoff team but like i I think the celtics are going to win more games than the heat i think the hawks are going to win more games than the heat um so i just i think this line is Really giving people, maybe I'm talking myself into not saying stay away and just going going out and betting that under because the more I look at that lack of depth, I mean, 48 and a half, that's the third highest over under in the in the East, right? Like I think, or no, yeah. the, the Sixers, the Sixers. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I might actually just change this to a, a straight under. Okay, uh, we are officially you, removing the stay away label. Yeah, I think you can go ahead and, and bet this one. Okay, thank you, James. All right, the Milwaukee Bucks, 52-win pace last season. This number up to 54 and a half for the defending champions. Uh, I'm going over, and you are going over as well on Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, they're just such a uh, a well-oiled machine. Um, they're really, yeah, I think they're going to be deeper this year than they were last year. I mean, they were playing uh, DJ Augustine and... Um, you know, they hadn't, they, they just didn't have this level of depth last year. I think there, it was pretty clear that it took Drew Holiday uh, at least a few months to really kind of sync up with the other uh, starters on this team. You know, it's the first time they played together. And Drew Holiday missed 
significant time last year too. Um, so I just I think they've got the ability to give like they could hit this over and then get home court in the East while still resting guys like Holiday and Middleton and in sort of strategic spots. Uh, I think they're going to let Giannis you know, play as much as he wants. And I, I think Giannis could win the MVP this year. So I, I just don't see them like he's smack dab in the middle of his prime. So I don't really see them trying to rein him in at all, but I do, I do think they will take it a little easy on holiday and Middleton during the regular season, but I still think they can finish in the, the high fifties. Yeah. There's not a whole lot, you know, to, to point out in, in terms of negativity for the bucks. Like I, for one, I think the roster is better going into this season than it was going into last season. I mean, Grayson Allen is a really nice addition. You bring back George Hill. Uh, George Hill to me is like the Packers bringing back Randall Cobb, where it's like, he's not that great, but he means more to the Bucs than he does any other team. Like I I trust George Hill. This team trusts George Hill. Um, Other teams maybe didn't use him as well. I I think he's going to bring really nice depth. And then even taking a flyer on Semi Ojale, Rodney Hood, you know, guys who have been at at least semi-productive in the past. Like this team is much deeper than last season. So when you lose a Dante DiVincenzo or, you know, if Pat Connaughton gets hurt, something like that, you're not, you're not all of a sudden down to like a six and a half man rotation where you, the last five guys on the roster are guys that you never want to be, you know, want to have to throw into an NBA game. So I, I think they're, they're well positioned to be a really good regular season team and also a really good playoff team. And there aren't many teams that can say that. And th- there's also something unique about the Bucks. Like the, I don't know if it's, if it's Giannis, you know, just kind of the, the mandate that a player like him brings, but you know, we talked about Brooklyn as a team that just could not care less about the regular season. Just fast forward to the playoffs, then we'll start trying. Like, even though the Bucks are coming off of a title, and that's like maybe how they should be thinking, I, I don't, I don't see that as like the the viewpoint on this team. No, I mean, I think this is kind of a an interesting defending champion in the fact that I think they were playing with more pressure last year, and I think they're just going to be playing free and loose. But right. like you said. Like, this is not a team that doesn't bring uh, a high level of effort during the regular season. They, I mean, you just, the, the character of all these guys, like, they just don't have guys that it's really in their DNA to just kind of loaf it or take plays off. So, um, I mean, I think that, that that's part of the what the, the front office maybe looks for and the guys that they bring in. Um, yep. But, yeah, I mean, they're, they're not going to just get caught, you know, sleeping against – like the Wizards or something in in December. I mean, I think they're they're going to bring it every night. All right, the New York Knicks, 47 win pace last season. They bring back virtually everybody. Uh, Reggie Bullock goes to Dallas, but they replace him by signing Evan Fournier in free agency. Other than that, the roster is almost identical, and yet the number sits at 41 and a half. I, I have this as an under. You have this as an under. Stay away. I, I waffled a lot on this one because I, I really feel like New York overachieved last season. They were not a 10 wins over 500 club, but they, they won a ton of close games. They, they got an incredible season out of Julius Randle. They were one of the few teams that was essentially able to avoid COVID complications. I think that was huge. With all that said, I mean, I, I do think they regress. It just felt like last year was a best case regular season. I, I don't know that they regressed this much. Like I'm, I'm surprised that this number especially since it's the Knicks and since there's finally some modicum of hype around this team, I'm surprised it's as low as 41 and a half. Yeah. It's, it's really frustrating that they put the number this low because, you know, I kind of would have thought they would have put it at like 44 and a half or 45 and a half. 
And then yeah. we would just be like, bang the under, bang the under. Cause like right. the, the regression is so obvious. Uh, but man, they, they put it in a tough spot. So that's why I said to stay away. Um, I'm also just kind of interested in like, you know, how do all these pieces fit this year? Because it kind of seemed like Julius Randle was sort of activated by the fact that they had no other options to get buckets. And now you bring in Walker and you have Fournier. Like, I wonder if maybe there's just kind of a uncertainty in terms of like, who's, is it going to be like your turn, my turn? Like, how do they know, you know, who to go to in the half court? Um, and I, I think they have just too many guards. Like, Emmanuel quickly should be playing 30 minutes a game, and I just don't think they're going to be able to give him that many minutes. So um, it's, a, it's, a weird, it's a weird roster. It's a weird rotation. But I think they put the number low enough that I wouldn't recommend betting him. The Knicks have too many guys. I'll come out and say it. We've asked this question about a couple other teams. They definitely have too many guys. Like you said, I, Emmanuel quickly – the season that he had coming from where he did, you know, as a late first round pick, most, most teams would be like elated. Like this would be a huge story. And like, wow, this, this late first round pick looks awesome. Like we're going to play him 25, 30 minutes per game. I, there honestly might be nights now that Kemba Walker is in the mix and Derek Rose is back. Like there might be nights where quickly is a DNP. Like that's just how it's going to have to work out. They have so much depth at pretty much every position. And it's not, it's not always good depth. You know, it's like, it's redundant depth. It, you know, your small forward depth chart could be, you know, R.J. Barrett, Evan Fortier, Alec Burks, Dwayne Bacon. Um, you know, they, they, they have a rookie, Quentin Grimes, who could maybe sneak his way into some minutes. Like, like why did they sign Dwayne Bacon? Why? Like, you don't you don't have to play Dwayne Bacon 20 minutes a night, but he was playing a ton of minutes in Orlando. It's, it's not someone who's necessarily just going to be content racking up DNC, DNP CDs every single night. Like, some of these moves just seemed a little unnecessary. I, I think they could have trimmed the fat a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, um, you know, Tibbs, you know, we'll see. Like, I mean, he, he was a, I think he was a deserving regular season coach of the year candidate last year, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if they're able to kind of pick up um, that same level of defensive intensity this year uh, with, with year two at Tibbs, because he does have a tendency to sort of wear on his players, especially his younger players. The Orlando Magic, 24 win pace last season. The number sits at 22 and a half. This is a very low number. Uh, this is the the lowest number in the Eastern Conference. I'd have, to, I'd have to check and see what the Thunder and the Rockets are at. They might give this number a run for its money. But 22 and a half for the Orlando Magic. I'm going under. You're going under. How easy of an under was this for you? Uh, very easy. I'd say this is one of my best bets. Um, obviously the roster is really bad um they've got they finally have like an exciting young player who could be more than just a role player and Jalen Suggs but I mean they just have a lot of really bad players who are going to see a lot of minutes this year um and I think the big thing is just Steve Clifford who's one of the more sort of unheralded uh, floor raisers in terms of a head coach just getting the absolute most out of his roster every year and so I, you know you can look at the Magic's win total from these last few years but I really think like Steve Clifford's responsible for like five wins per year and you take him out of the mix too 
Um, they basically had to part ways with him because he didn't want to deal with how bad, how bad this team was going to be this year and the mandate to get another high pick. So uh, everyone's basically on the same page there that like we're going to get another high pick. And I don't think it's going to require them to do anything shady. I think they're just going to be able to play their quote-unquote best players and cruise to you know, 19, 20 wins. Yeah, this roster is not built to win games. And I, I don't think there is a expectation of winning games, unlike the Cleveland Cavaliers. I I mean, you, you're like third best player maybe, and Markel Fultz is probably going to miss maybe half the season. Uh, he's still recovering from a torn ACL. Uh, Jonathan Isaac, who knows? Like if, if he plays 80 games, that raises their floor to me a decent amount, but that's extremely unlikely given his injury situation. Um I mean, I, I think there's a pretty good chance that Jalen Suggs ends up being the best player on this team as a rookie. And I'm very high on Jalen Suggs, but I don't think that would necessarily be a good thing. No, no. Um, this, this is going to be a pretty stark contrast for Suggs to go from Gonzaga to this team. So I hope that he's kind of prepared for where this season is headed. But I mean, you also have like the, the sort of disgruntled Cole Anthony factor. of yep. like. <laughs> You got a you got Cole Anthony who's upset that he was drafted over and um like RJ Hampton's definitely not gonna help you win games, but they're they're gonna play him. Um maybe you know, maybe Chumo Kiki or Wendell Carter could have uh encouraging seasons where they're not just huge negatives, but I mean yeah, I, I think this team has very clear sights set on the worst record in the league. So the second most positive thing we said about the Orlando Magic was maybe their second and third best players won't be huge negatives. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's where yep. they stand. All right, let's move on to Philly. 56-win pace last year, best record in the Eastern Conference at 49-23. and 23. Of course, we know what happened to the 76ers in round two against Atlanta. This number falls a little bit down to 50-and-a-half. You're going under on 50-and-a-half. This, there's so much going on around this team right now. This is like impossible to really say for sure. I'm going to say this pushes. I think they find a way to win exactly 50 and a half games. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I like. I think it's it's easy to see how this goes over or under, but I just think there's there's a greater chance it goes under. Um, and a big part of that is just. I I still think, you know, we might be uh, expecting too many games from Joel Embiid on like a, an annual basis. Like I just, you know, I, he dealt with a knee injury in the playoffs that he played through. We're, now we're up in it again to 82 games. Um, this is going to be a pretty mediocre team whenever he doesn't play. And I think I'd take the under on like 65 games out of Embiid this year. And so, you know, the Ben Simmons thing we can talk about, but like everything went really well for them last year. I mean, it was one of those, it was like a honeymoon season with Doc Rivers replacing Brett Brown. And, um, you know, they, they had that awesome Seth Curry acquisition and, you know, Daryl Morey came in and, and made the roster make a lot more sense and everything. But, you know, this is this is going to be the biggest circus in the NBA until Simmons gets traded. I think that's just going to wear on guys. And I mean, if Joel Embiid is healthy this year, even if Ben Simmons doesn't play a game, like if Joel Embiid plays 75 games, this will go over. Uh, 
I just I think the smart money is on just kind of taking the under on Embiid games played, and I don't think this roster is good enough to be very competitive when he doesn't play. For me, it comes down to the inevitable Simmons trade. What are you getting back? Because there's a chance that they end up knocking this out of the park and get one or two like really nice fits for this team, and they just hit the ground running, and they're really, really good and, and maybe better than they were with Ben Simmons. But as you wrote in one of those pieces, I think it might have been the FanDuel one, you said like there there are more pathways to this season going badly for Philly than going well. Like there, there are certainly some some ways where it could go really well and they, they could maybe make the finals. Who knows? But the chances of them pulling off that golden trade probably aren't as great as them pulling off a trade that you're just like, OK, they're they're fine. You know, they have some pieces. Um, you know, maybe maybe it ends up being like the CJ McCollum type of deal. And they sacrifice a ton on defense to get a little better on offense. And, and on the whole, it's about the same. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, for me, it's, it's for sure a stay away at this point. I I would maybe want to bet it if the Simmons trade happens before the regular season and we have a chance to really analyze what this roster will look like. But until that happens, there's just no way to say for sure. Yeah, to me, the most interesting person in the entire Ben Simmons trade discussion um conversation is uh Daryl Morey like I I think I just don't picture him selling Simmons for what Simmons price is um in the league right now and I think he's making a, a mistake by doing that because like he you know he he wants Dame Lillard to ask for a trade or he wants Brad Beal to ask for a trade or he wants Zach Levine to ask for a trade like do we know for sure that the Ben Simmons package is even going to be the best package at the time? Like it, it's pretty clear to me that like a good chunk of the league, especially if you're trying to win, like, and, and really win meaningful games understands that Ben Simmons isn't going to help them do that in the playoffs. So I just think that it's going to be really fascinating to see how long Maury continues to ask for such a high price when all the evidence suggests that he's asking for too much and that it's not even a, a sure thing that like you basically need Dame Lillard to say, I only want to go to Philly. And I just, I don't see that happening during the regular season. I think the Blazers are going to be too confident. Well, and if it happens during the regular season, that means that Philly has gone, you know, multiple months with either Ben Simmons holding out or Ben Simmons playing through all this chaos and probably not ending very well. You know, like if, even if you make the Lillard trade, in February, like, what does your season look like until that point? And I, I think that's what's going to, like, I'm not I'm not sure that they're going to get Dame Lillard. I, I would actually bet they don't get Dame Lillard. But I do think it's either going to be Simmons does not play until he gets traded or he plays and it's just even worse. Like, I, I just, I think him showing up might actually be worse for them hitting this he order would, than that. I really think he would get booed at home on opening night. Oh, he, he would get up, booed. Right? At, he would get booed at home every single game until he gets yeah. traded. I don't. Yeah, I don't think he can play. I think. I think this has gotten so bad that he he cannot play unless he goes out of his way to make some sort of amends publicly. Um, you know, really, like would have to essentially completely reverse course from what he did uh, over these last couple of weeks, which seems very unlikely. Yeah, I think it would it would just turn into a firestorm that would do much more harm than than whatever good you're getting out of having you know essentially a damaged asset playing for you on the court. Uh, all right, do we have two teams left? Toronto and Washington. The Toronto Raptors finished last season 
27 and 45. That's a 31 win pace. The number not nearly as high as I would have expected. 35 and a half is a number for Toronto. I, I think this was my overall easiest over. Yeah, this is in the Eastern Conference. This is my best bet. Um, the over. Uh, I think they're going to win in the 40s. Uh, probably like low, like you know, in the 42 to 45 win range. Um, I think it's been maybe a little under discussed just how bad the play they got from center was last year. Uh, but like we can kind of cut the season into two halves, like when they were trying and when they were flat out tanking. Um, and when they were trying, their play at center was just so bad. Um, like Chris Boucher should not play center uh, other than maybe, you know, 15, 20 minutes a game off the bench, like, you know, in a worst case scenario, he's just like too skinny. Um, and they just, they had just terrible play there. Uh, Ken Birch is not great. And Precious Achua is fairly unproven, but I think they're both better than the best center they had on the roster last year. And I think the the Tampa Bay thing, we've, we've talked about that plenty. Like, I think that it's just going to be like a six-win bump by itself, just them playing in Toronto versus Tampa Bay. And then Pascal Siakam just had a nightmare season. Uh, he's going to miss, you know, maybe a few weeks to start the year. But it, I think he's going to have a really nice bounce back year. It seems like he's kind of mended everything with Nick Nurse. Um, you know, Kyle Lowry to Goran Dragic is a downgrade. It's not a massive downgrade, especially offensively. And, you know, I think OG Ananobi is going to continue to get better. I think Gary Trent's going to continue to get better. I think he's a really good fit. Um, so, and, and they have one of the best coaches in the league. So I just, I think this is a, a team that's probably going to get like the sixth seed in the East. Um, so it's, it's pretty easy over for me. Where would this number have to sit for you to consider the under? I mean, even if it was like 40 and a half, 41 and a half, I, I would have to think about it. I mean, if it was, I think if it was like 42 and a half, I would maybe stay away. Yeah, it, it's really low. It, it's as surprisingly low as, as the Knicks one is, honestly. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you said most of it. There's not a whole lot left. I mean, we'll see what losing Lowry means, you know, from a, a leadership perspective. But, you know, he missed so much time last year and, and this team was blatantly not trying to win games that I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I, I think it's more of like a, it's a bigger deal like for the fans, I guess, or like for the organization than it is for the on-court product at this point. Um, I mean, they finished the season 11 and 30 over their final 41 games. I mean, this this team was over 500 uh, at, at like the 30 game mark and completely went in the tank. And then by the end of the season was going way out of its way, uh, you know, to try to lose games. And ultimately it paid off. I mean, they got the number four pick uh, and they bring in Scotty Barnes, who I don't think he really helps them a ton this year, but it's going to be fun to watch him develop in, a, in you know, alongside a pretty good team. You know, we're talking about Jalen Suggs in Orlando. It's always fun when a guy like that essentially gets to just step in and be the number one option right away, but it could also be damaging. I mean, to, to play on that bad of a team, I think for a guy in Scotty Barnes, who's kind of a delicate prospect, you know, any, anytime you're drafting someone hoping they're going to be a one of one, like Draymond Green, you know, that means that the development has to go really well, or, or there's a chance that this guy could bust. And that's, that's how I feel about Scotty Barnes. And I, I think he landed in a really good spot to at least ensure that he turns into a pretty good player long-term. Yeah. And from, from like a wins and losses standpoint, it's much better if your lottery pick or your top five pick 
is like your seventh best player, then like Jalen Green and Kate Cunningham might be their team's best players on opening night, you know? So like that, it's just really hard to win games in that scenario, but they don't really need much from Scotty Barnes this year at all. No, and I think the type of player that he is suits this team build, whereas like Cunningham and Green and even Suggs to some degree, like I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that they might be their team's best player because long-term, that's yeah. what you want. You want those guys to be your best player. And like with Barnes, obviously you want him to be in that discussion, but you're okay with him being this like super role player type. Like you, you don't, he's never going to be a guy that has his own team. Right, exactly. All right, let's finish up with the Washington Wizards. 39 win pace last season. Their number with Russell Westbrook now in LA drops to 33 and a half wins. We're going to disagree finally on one of these. I'm going under 33 and a half. You have this pegged as a stay away over. Yeah, I mean, it, so if I said, if I just told you Bradley Beal's on the roster all season, would you still go under? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I made this pick assuming that Bradley Beal is on the team. So, yeah, okay, I would. And so, it's, so, it wasn't an easy one. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he, I, I think they win like 36 games, 35 games if he's there all year. Um, you know, I, I think Spencer Dinwiddie is, is pretty underrated. And, you know, even Aaron Holiday and Contavious Caldwell-Pope, like, I think those are upgrades over whoever their backup guards were last year. Like, I mean, some of those lineups that Scott Brooks was playing with, like, Ish Smith and Russell Westbrook on the court at the same time and stuff like that, I mean, it was really pretty ugly. And, I mean, who knows if Wes Unseld is going to be a good coach or not. Um, but I doubt he's a downgrade from Scott Brooks and, you know, I mean, their center, their center situation is pretty gross. Uh, so I don't, I don't think this is a great team or anything, but, you know, Bradley Beal is a top 20 player in the league. And I think they, they have better depth this year than they did last year. So I don't think they make a play in game, but I also don't think Beal gets traded in season. And so. I, you know, I just think they win mid 30. So that, that's why I said over, but you know, it, all it would take is me being wrong about Beal getting traded yep. or, you know, one of Beal or Dinwiddie misses time with an injury. I mean, there, there's a lot of easy ways for this to go under. So it's not what I'm excited about better. Right. So there's enough risk with Beal that I, I feel like it is worth, you know, shading the under here just because that is a possibility that, that he's out of there. And then at that point, you know, they become a, a basement team almost immediately. I, I don't love Spencer, Spencer Dinwiddie as a number two option. I, I like him overall as a player. I, I liked him when he was kind of like this super bench player coming off the, you know, coming off the bench and, and giving good minutes to the Nets. I mean, he averaged 20 plus points per game a couple of seasons ago uh, before Harden and KD arrived in Brooklyn. But I, I don't necessarily want him being my, my number two guy behind Beal. I, and they do have more depth. I'll give you that. There, There is a ton of depth on this team. Do we actually like the depth pieces, though? Like, how high are we on Montrezl Harrell and Kyle Kuzma and Contavious Caldwell-Pope? Um, you know, our rookie and Corey Kispert. They still have Denny Avdia, who I've kind of completely forgot about after his injury. Um, they're another team that, like, weirdly has maybe a little too much depth, especially at the three and the four. Yeah, no, I mean... I just think it, it's more a testament to how bad their depth was last year than how good it is this year. Um, and I, all I'm really saying is, like, this looks like a 35-win roster to me. 
Like, you know, I'm not. And I, I think Russell Westbrook, he he definitely won games for them down the stretch, but he also lost games for them in the first half of the season. And so are they really um, six wins worse than they were last year? I, I don't know. I mean, I again, I, I don't feel strong about it, but um, – you know, I mean, this is this is a competent, this is a clearly better roster to me than like the Cavs. Um, yes. And and obviously we know that they want to win as many games as possible, right? Like they're not, they're, they're going to do the exact opposite of tank. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's not one of my favorites, though. All right, man. That's all 15 from the Eastern Conference. We'll be back uh, probably sometime next week to talk Western Conference. Uh, I'll, I'll be traveling this weekend. Obviously, we have NFL starting up. Huge weekend uh, for everyone at Rotowire. How are we feeling about the Green Bay Packers, James? <laughs> um, I mean, I think they'll just they'll win one or two playoff games and then get bounced. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I think we're, we're looking at probably a <laughs> redux of last season. They, they probably <laughs> lose to the same team in the NFC title game. Yeah, I mean, it should should be exciting. Can't wait. All right, Ben. Appreciate you doing this. Talk soon. Yep, see ya. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.